All right, thank you so much for being here today. Would you please take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. If you're visiting here with us today, I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate you could be anywhere else today, but you chose to be with us, and so I'm thankful for that. And um, we would love to welcome you today, and uh, we have a welcome desk out there, and uh, we would love to give you a gift if you would be so kind to allow us to do that. Matthew chapter 18. Have you ever been in a real competition before? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've been in a real competition. Okay. Oh, like maybe we don't know what a real competition is, okay? I'm talking like a spelling bee. That's a real competition. When I was in high school, I never got the chance to go to a spelling bee. I was always the third person. So like if one of the best two couldn't make it, then I was the third guy. I, I never made it. Everybody always seemed to be able to go, I would have failed miserably. But nonetheless, um, okay, so a spelling bee, a sporting event, um, a fine arts competition, something like that. Let's try this again. How many of you have ever been a part of a competition? Okay. Good, that's better. That's more people, all right? I've been in all kinds of competitions in my life. I've been in fine arts competitions. Um, I tried to do a trumpet solo one year. That went really well. Brittany's not here, but man, that went well. Um, and and I, would, I would try and do some of these things. We were in singing competitions. I, I played in our uh, school's band, and so I would try and uh, we would compete in that way. And then obviously I played sports. And I think I learned this from my dad, but um, I would always look for the weaknesses in my opponents. Anytime I was playing sports, I remember the trumpet solo that I was doing, I would go to the people before me and try to analyze their weaknesses, right? Oh, man, he missed that note, and oh, that was horrible, and this, that, and the other thing. And then playing soccer or basketball, I would try to understand which way a guy's uh, natural tendency would be. Most people are right-handed, so they want to drive to the basket with their right hand. So I would try and cut that off and make them, force them to dribble with their left hand or pass. I would look at those things and I would analyze their weaknesses or their shortcomings so that I could exploit them so that they would lose the game or that it would make me feel better about my trumpet solo that was not going to be the best. Right? I would analyze them and I would always try to exploit them to either give myself an advantage or to help our team win the game. Honestly, though, this morning, life is a competition, isn't it? Life is a competition. Often it's a competition at work. Right? You're trying to get the next raise and so you're trying to compete against the other person and you're trying to get that promotion. Often it's a competition between business owners. We have some people that own businesses in our church, and they, they, I have to compete against this person and sell more than this person so that I can have more income. Often it's a competition with our neighbors, right? Uh, outliving out or outdoing the Joneses who live next door. I want to have something bigger and better than them. Constant competition. It's a competition with men. Men are always in competition, always. If you think you can lift that, I can lift something heavier. If you think you can throw that ball, I can throw it farther. If you think you can do this, I can do it better all the time. Men are always in competition. In fact, if you think you can drive fast, I can drive faster. I had somebody race me this week. Ah, it was a moped. I lost. I'm not kidding. I, it was a moped. I'll tell you the story later. 
competition, ladies have competitions. I don't know what they are, but they have them. Parent, grandparents have competitions, right? Remember the old days when you had a wallet with pictures and you just let that thing fly out, right? Grandparents are like, look at my grandkids. Now they have iPhones, iPads, and look at my grandkids, right? Competitions. Competition with parents, competitions uh, trying to be more popular than someone else. It's a competition with pastors and churches, right? It is, I'm just saying. That church is doing this, and this church is doing that, and how many people are you having on a Sunday morning? And, and all of these different things, constantly. Life is a constant competition. And this competition in our lives constantly leads us to analyze everything everyone does in order to exploit their weaknesses. We do this all the time. We exploit people's weaknesses. And again, for the purpose that we will beat them in that promotion. Do you know what Bob did? Do you know that he said this about the boss? Right? And we're exploiting his weakness. Um, we, we, we do this so that we will be able to make more sales than another company in town, or so that we will be more liked in our neighborhood, or so that we will be looked at as manlier or more manly than other men, or having more popularity with the ladies we spend time with. I just, I want to be seen as bigger and better. We want to be seen as superior grandparents or parents, so that people will think that we have our lives all together, right? We want to be better than the other church. So that people will come to our church, right? All of these things, competition, competition, competition. If you will, we've become habitual at exploiting the weaknesses of people. We've become habitual at it. It's constant. Now, we do this even in our church. We do this even within the walls of Bible Baptist Church to other church members. Now let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question, okay? Let me just be up front with you because I think a lot of you think that I'm going to trick you. Okay, this is not a trick question. Does everyone have weaknesses, yes or no? Yes. I'm glad we can all agree to that. Every single one of us has weaknesses. Does every single one of us have faults, yes or no? Yes. Even you who just said, yes, you are a person with weaknesses, and you are a person with faults. I want you to understand this this morning. Church is not an individual sport. Church is not an individual sport. Church is a team sport. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when our teammates have a fault? What are we supposed to do when our teammates have weaknesses? Right? If, if it's an individual sport, we exploit them. Right? Because we are individually trying to beat the competition. But it's not. What happens when a brother or sister has a weakness? What happens when a brother or sister has a fall? What are we supposed to do with these things? Last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about the traps of Satan. Satan will try to get you into this mold of holding on to people's faults. He will get you into this mold of, uh, a mode, excuse me, of holding on to people's failures and not letting them go and not forgiving them. However, we talked about this last week, forgiveness by faith is a shield that protects us from the traps of the enemy. So how do we deal with people in the church who have weaknesses? 
How do we deal with people in the church who have failures? Well, hopefully you've already turned to Matthew chapter 18 because that's where we're going to be. And it just so happens that in every question of life, the Bible has the answer. If you want to know how to deal with people in the church, the Bible has the answer. If you want to know how to deal with people outside of the church, the Bible has the answers. If you want to know how to deal with your finances, the Bible has the answers. If you want to know how to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible has the answer. If you want to know how to get to heaven when you die, the Bible has the answer. The Bible has the answers to life's greatest questions. Matthew chapter 18 is a parallel passage to Luke chapter 17, which is what we looked at last week. But I want you to see verse 1 of Matthew chapter 18 just to give you context, okay? The Bible says this, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have to be humble like a little child. You have to be trusting like a little child. You have to be like a little child in order to come to the kingdom of heaven. Jump down to verse 7. There's another issue that he deals with. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. By whom the offense cometh, excuse me. And so here's the offenses again. Offenses are going to come. It is going to happen. Jump down to verse 13. And if so be that ye find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. The man looking for that one lost sheep. He's got ninety and nine in the fold, but there's one lost sheep gone. In light of little children, in light of offenses, in light of sheep going astray, how should we respond to someone's faults and someone's weaknesses. I want you to read Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 with me. Moreover, continuing this story, continuing this context, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Now I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I am not excited to preach this message. I am not excited to go through this. Because I know, I know that this is a problem. I know that this is a problem. What do we do when somebody trespasses against us? I want you to see... Number one, the carnage of unforgiveness. The carnage of unforgiveness. I want you to notice in verse 15, who has the responsibility first in the passage? Who has the responsibility first? Let's read it. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. The responsibility is placed solely upon the person who has been trespassed against. Let me put it to you this way, it's personal. It's personal. 
It's personal. Don't miss this. It's personal. If someone trespasses against me, what am I supposed to do? I am supposed to go to him. I think this is where sometimes we get off on our ideas. That, we believe that because it's a personal responsibility, we can take it or leave it. Right? Okay? So let me give you a for instance. I know that donuts are not good for me. Okay? I know that. But guess what? Personal responsibility, right? I can eat a donut every once in a while. And I'll try and work it off later. But if my choice immediately affects my wife or immediately affects my children, I'm more apt to not do it, right? Anybody agree with me? Help me out this morning. If it's going to affect me, no big deal, right? I can handle it. I got it. Not a big deal. But if it's going to affect a family member, that's a bigger issue. So often we think we can take it or leave it. It will only affect us. It may affect the person involved, but for sure it's only going to affect me. We are so wrong when we think this. The carnage involved is so much bigger than just us and another person. I want you to notice verse 17. The Bible says, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why does the church need to get involved in my personal business? Have you ever asked that self, yourself that question? I've asked myself that question. Why does the church have to get involved in my personal business? Here's why. The church is made up of individuals. You all sit here this morning. The church is made up of individual people. And individual problems, don't miss this, individual problems affect the entire church. Listen, individual problems affect the entire church. Please don't miss this. In fact, write it down. The carnage of unforgiveness never stops with you. The entire church is at stake. Please write it down. Get it in your mind. The carnage of unforgiveness never stops with you. The entire church is at stake. You might say, Pastor Jonas, you're being just a little bit dramatic here. You're making this a bigger issue than it's supposed to be. My issues don't affect the entire church. It's just between me and this other person. I want to give you number two. The carnage of unforgiveness, number two, the concept of family. The concept of family. I want you to notice the word brother mentioned twice in verse 50. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. The Bible is talking about a family here. This is not just some Joe Schmo off the street or somebody you've never met before who you just want to yell at because he cut you off on the 401. This is not that person. This is a brother. This is a close-knit family member. And you may say, well, we're not close. That's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying, if a brother. See, oftentimes we forget how a family works, don't we? We forget the concept of a family. The Bible describes us as brothers and sisters in so many different places in the Bible. Well, the Bible also compares the family to a body. To a body. In fact, the Bible says that the husband is the head. In case you don't know, this is a head, okay? 
and we all have one. If you don't have one, you're in trouble. It's a part of the body. The Bible also takes the church and compares the church to a body as well. So here's the concept, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26. And whether one member suffer, watch, all members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Listen to me, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that your problem does not affect the entire your problem affects the entire church. The carnage of unforgiveness never stops with you. The entire church is at stake. So I want you to write this down. I personally affect this family. Write it down. I personally affect this family. I personally affect this family. All mamas know this. When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right? Yeah, we got, some, we got some ladies down here saying, yeah, that's right. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, because mamas are so grouchy all the time. No, that's not why. It's because when one member of the family suffers, they all suffer. They all suffer. That's because one person can affect the family. We have to remember the concept of the family, the carnage of unforgiveness, the concept of family. And number three, and finally, don't worry, this one's a long one, the course of the future. The course of the future. This passage is how we need to move forward. This passage is how we need to act in the future from this time forward. So if this is you, listen, I just want to make this preliminary statement. If this is you, if you have somebody who's trespassed against you, if this is you, there will be an action at the end of this message. Oh, you may not do it immediately, but I'm going to encourage you to do it as soon as possible. There is action at the end, the course of the future. Read verses 15 to 17 with, with me, if you will. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. He shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Verse 16, but he will not hear thee. Then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. There are three major steps in this process. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard these three steps over and over and over and over again. Number one, very simply, is go to him. Tell him his fault. Number two is take one or two more that there may be witnesses. The third step is tell it to the church. Those are the three steps. In reconciliation, but I want you to notice that that is the key. The goal is reconciliation. Let me say that one more time. The goal is reconciliation. Maybe one more time. The goal is reconciliation. Restoration. Listen, if my wife and I have a discussion, right, and I do something wrong, which is typically what happens. If I do something wrong, what, what is her desire? To just boot me, kick me to the curb, and that be the end of it? That's what a lot of marriages do these days. Listen, that ought not to be in the house of God. That might be in the world. Listen, he did this to me, and that's the end of him, buddy. Nobody's going to talk to him anymore. 
If you're my friend, you don't talk to that person. Listen, that is not the biblical method. That is not the biblical way. So what is it? We're going to focus today on step number one only. Quite frankly, because most of us don't even consider it. Most of us don't even think about it. We'll just slightly touch on the other two. We've talked about the brother in verse 15, but I want you to notice what he does. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you. He trespasses against you. Many people want to apply this like this. Well, he broke one of my commandments. Right? He broke one of my commandments. How dare he cross my line? He should never have done that. So we view this and we interpret this and we apply this like, so I have to keep everyone accountable to my commandments. Oh, hey, hear me. Everybody has to listen to the kind of music that I listen to. Bluegrass it is, everybody, okay? Everybody good with that? <laughs> no. My wife is one of those. No. Okay? Uh, they have to dress the way that I dress. They have to wear their hair the way that I wear my hair. Listen, no, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you shall trespass against thee. Let me ask you this question. Who's the definer of sin? Who's the definer of sin? God is. Not me. We, if the church is involved, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Right? It's, the church is not the pillar and ground of Johnny Yeomans. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth, so we have to go back to the truth. This is not, they did something that I didn't like. They, uh, they, they said something that was a little bit unkind and it hurt my feelings. This is not that. This is sin. The word trespass is literally sin. Miss the mark. Trespass. Someone commits sin and we know about it. Or they commit it against us. You, you know that you can sin against someone? And they commit it against us. They harm us with their sin, etc. The commentator Paul Cressman says it this way. I love it. Sin they must be, not personal peculiarity. This is sin it must be, not personal peculiarities. Listen, every one of us is peculiar. Every one of us has weaknesses. Every one of us has faults. Every one of us has idiosyncrasies that just don't mesh well with other people. This is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is talking about sin. Sin. If thy brother trespass against me, what's my responsibility? Uh, look at the verse further. Go and tell him his fault. Go and tell him his fault. Please don't miss this. Sin must be dealt with. Don't miss this. Sin must be dealt with. Don't miss it. Sin must be dealt with. If sin is allowed to run rampant in a church, listen, it will destroy. If sin is running rampant in your family, don't miss it, it will destroy. If sin is running rampant in your life, don't miss it, it will destroy. I want you to know something that maybe you don't know. 
the staff at Bible Baptist Church is passionate about this. Passionate about this. We are adamant about this. We desperately, don't miss this, we desperately want to be right before the Lord. And guess what? I'm going to stand here in front of you today and say, I have blind spots. I have spots in my life that I just don't see. And I have two, three other men who watch my life and say, hey, Pastor Yeomans, there's something here that I just want you to think about. I want you to see. And they go and tell me my fault. Listen, we don't want to be up here doing whatever we're doing and just living in open sin, living in sin the way that, that God died for us to not live in anymore. And listen, I don't see everything, I don't do everything, but I'm so thankful that the staff of Bible Baptist Church has come to me and said, I see this in your life. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that that's love. I'm pretty sure that that's, hey, we have your best interests at heart. Listen, I'm so grateful. So grateful for that. And look what, at the end of the verse. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Every time we do this to each other, guess what we're doing? We're gaining our brother. We're gaining our brother. We're drawing closer to each other. We're drawing closer to each other. But I don't want you to miss this. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24, the Bible says this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Don't miss this. I'm bringing my gift to the altar, I'm going to lay it down, and I remember that somebody has a problem with me. They have ought against me. Watch. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. So this is the offender, and this is the offended. And guess what they're supposed to be doing, both of them? They're supposed to be coming to each other. Do you, do you get that? So often we say, oh, they got to come to me. They better come to me. I am not going to them. Oh, man, do we have it wrong. We have to come to each other. Listen, we both have a responsibility. If one of these guys comes to me and says, Pastor Yeomans, I see something in your life, and this is what I want. And I come, and I say, you guys are ridiculous. And I throw that out, and I say, I'm going to come to the altar, and I'm going to leave my gift. It's of no use. I know that they see a problem in my life. I know that they see sin rampant in my life, and so they need to, I need to go to them and say, you've seen something. I need to reconcile with my brother. The person with ought against you is supposed to come to you. If you know that they have ought against you and you still haven't recon reconciled, excuse me, don't bring your gift. It's a two-way street. Both the offender and the offended are supposed to come together. If they want to take the next step forward toward the Lord. I want you to continue down through the passage in verse 15. Go and tell him his fault. Watch this. This is, we look over this so many times. Between thee and him alone. Between thee and him alone. Only you two. Only you two. Far too often people make additions or even multiplication to this math problem. Oh, I'm just going to bring this in and I'm going to bring this person in and I'm going to get counsel. 
would you please pray for me about this? I got this problem that I'm going to go, and well, why don't you tell me about your problem? There's an old saying that we have in our house because our children like to interrupt my wife and I's conversation. It goes like this. This is an A and B conversation. So see yourself out. <laughs> Quite frankly, this is what we need to start telling ourselves. This is an A and B conversation. I have a problem with somebody in the church. Somebody has trespassed against me. They have a sin in their life. This is an A and B conversation. See yourself out. There ought not to be anybody else involved. It only ought to be you too. You're not going to somebody else saying, hey, do you know what they did? You ought not to be going to say, hey, what do you think about what this person did? No. You, you ought not to be going and saying, hey, um, would you please pray for me about this certain situation and begin blabbing it. We, under the guise of prayer or under the guise of counsel, I just got wise counsel, right? I'm not trying to diminish wise counsel. I'm just saying you and I both and God all know when we're gossiping. The reality is that's exactly what it is. Anything else other than A and B is gossip. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 26. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, notice this, the strife ceaseth. You want to know the fastest way to fuel a fire? Keep putting it on. You want to make a blaze bigger? Keep putting fuel to the fire. You want to make problems, sin, worse? Keep putting fuel to the fire. Again, notice, if this is done correctly and received well, you have gained your brother. Resto restoration is sweet. It's a beautiful thing. If this doesn't happen, if he denies this, says, no, I'm not doing that, I'm not, I'm not sinning. By the way, let me just add this. This is important. If it's sin, it'll be in here. So you should be able to show them where it's sin. This is not opinion. Listen, this is where you're wrong. I want to show you this. Not in rip them up one side and down the other, but in humble rebuke. Humble, just restoration in mind. If he says, nope, not doing it, I don't believe that, you can't convince me of that, throw that away. Then the second step is two or three witnesses. One or, so one or two witnesses, excuse me. And in the mouth of two or three, the words shall be established. If they don't, then that's actually a principle if you wanted to know from Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15. Again, sin must be dealt with. If this still doesn't work, he's in open sin now, he's doing whatever he wants to do, tell it to the church. And if he doesn't want to hear still, he says, I will not listen, I am going to do what I want to do. The Bible says he must be as a heathen man and a publican. We can spend a great deal more time here, but quite frankly, I'd just like to get past step one. I'd just like to get into step one. I want you to understand this. Sin must be dealt with. Wrongdoing must be dealt with. There are some people that just do not want to even start this. And these things need to be taken care of. Why? Because it's harmful to the body as a whole. The future is forward. 
In order to move forward from the traps of Satan, we need to have faith that the Bible's course of action is the way that we can reach out to our neighbor, reach out to our brother. In case we've forgotten, we ought to have our brother and our sister's best interest. We ought to have their backs. Listen, I remember playing soccer. I was left fullback defense. We had a center fullback and we had a right fullback. And just behind all of us was not the goalkeeper, but a sweeper. He was the guy that just swept the whole area. And you know what? When my sweeper saw that I was falling behind, guess what he would do? He would yell one word, switch. Switch! And I knew what that meant. I knew at that moment, he had my back. He knew he could see my weakness. He could see it. Listen, every one of us has weaknesses. Instead of exploiting them, maybe we should just start yelling, switch. Hey, let me take care of this one for you. Let me help you out a little bit. Let me show you how you can do better. Let me ask a very simple question this morning. Has your brother or sister trespassed against you? Have you reconciled that yet? I want to challenge you with that one thing today. Go talk to that person. Don't focus on their weakness. Focus on restoration. Will you reach out to that one person today? Today. Don't wait till tomorrow. You don't have to do it in church because it says you're supposed to be alone. Don't do it in church. But today needs to be the day that we move forward and put these sinful activities behind us and allow the body of Christ to be restored to its natural, beautiful glory in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, I pray that your will be accomplished here today. Father, this is, this is not a fun, good-feeling message at all. But Father, the reality is when we deal with these things, right, in a marriage, in a relationship, in a family, when we deal with things biblically the way that you've described, Father, joy comes. But if we continue to deal with things in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages, the way that we want to deal with them, Father, we'll destroy them. Help us to see that today. We give you all the praise and honor for glory for what you'll do and for all these things in your name. I'm just going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you to do, again, something a little different. I'm not looking. Nobody in this auditorium ought to be looking. I'm going to ask for one decision today. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Not for me. I'm not looking. I'm going to ask you for one decision today, but raise your hand to the Lord. The physical representation of what your heart desires to do. I'm asking you to do this today. Make this decision. If you're willing to make this decision, I want you to raise your hand. I am deciding to do what the Bible says about my brother's trespass. Today, I am deciding 
to handle it God's way. If you're willing to do that, I just want you to raise your hand before nobody looking around. I'm not looking. Raise your hand and just say, God, today I'm willing to do it your way. If you raise your hand, you can put that down. It is so important that we do this. This is a step in the forgiveness process. We're going to continue in two weeks after missions conference through forgiveness. Reaching out can only happen when we are right with our brothers and sisters. The first step in reaching out is truly forgiveness. Father, again, we commend these things to you. I pray you give us the power and the strength. Father, we pray that you would make us do what we commit to do. Father, we just pray that you would work. We want to give you some time to pray and talk to the Lord this morning. Let's give you that time right now.